Welcome back to the Community Online Podcast. This week, we're joined by teaching pastor Ian Simpkins as we continue the series, This is the Way. If you're new, we'd love to learn your name. Simply text CONNECT to 630-793-6399 and we'll send you more information about community. Remember, you can always find us on Sundays streaming live at communityonline.tv. We hope to see you there. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. Large crowds from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and the region across the Jordan followed him. Now, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. Hey, everyone, welcome. I am so glad that you are here, and most of us are aware that we have an election in just a few short days. So I think for that reason alone, it would be appropriate for us to just begin with a word of prayer. So let's pray together. God, thank you for today, for this moment right here, God. And regardless of how we feel, God, would you comfort us? Would you convict us? Would you move in our lives, in our church, in our world, God? And help us to seek and pursue you first and foremost above everything, God. We thank you and we love you and we pray all these things in the beautiful name of Jesus, amen. Have you ever said the word blessed? Like when someone asked how you're doing, you're like, oh, I'm blessed. Apparently this phrase or this response became so popular that it actually became a bit of a hashtag phenomenon. I'm I'm sure you've seen the hashtag blessed, like got a new car, hashtag blessed, right? Or got a new boat, hashtag blessed, or maybe made a bunch of money this week, hashtag double blessed. Like this this is an actual Instagram post, by the way. And just as a quick disclaimer, none of those things are bad, by the way. In fact, if, if you have a boat, I would love to come and, and pray over it for you. But have you ever noticed that no one ever says hashtag blessed like when they get a flat tire or when they're fighting with their spouse? I've never seen anyone post a selfie of like fast food 10 days in a row, right? There's, there's something that we've tied blessing to that I wonder if maybe we've missed the mark. In fact, the word blessed shows up in the New Testament 112 times and not one time is it connected to material wealth. So the question I wanna ask is this, is it possible that we've actually gotten this idea of blessed wrong? Maybe not surprising, but Jesus actually has an upside down way of thinking about blessing and who is blessed. And spoiler alert, it's not necessarily who you might think. Now, we're in week two of a six-week series called This Is The Way. And last week, we talked about the way being a person, Jesus. It's not, a, it's not an institution. It's not rules. It's not some intellectual ascent. Jesus is the way, and he's also king. He is king, and we pledge our allegiance to King Jesus. And just to be upfront, that, that's my prayer for all of us, not just simply that we would learn about Jesus, but that we would actually pledge our allegiance to Jesus. So so this way is a person, but it's also a whole lot more than that. It's It's a new way of being in the world. In fact, these first Christians lived in such a way that other people began to notice. In fact, it sparked such curiosity that others needed to sort of come up with a phrase to describe these first Christians. And you wanna know what the phrase was? They were called followers of 
the way. They, they were not only committed to the teachings of Jesus, but they gave their lives to follow in the way of Jesus, which is exactly why we're diving into what's called the Sermon on the Mount. It's the best collection of teachings from Jesus. So we're gonna be in Matthew chapter five today. Now, Matthew has a particular angle. He has a unique perspective in his gospel. He's writing to convince a Jewish audience that Jesus was the foretold Messiah. In fact, in verse one of chapter five, it says that he went up on a mountain and he sat down. And to our modern sensibilities, that may seem insignificant, but that had a lot of weight in the first century. He is trying to portray Jesus as king who's about to deliver his manifesto for his kingdom. So he goes up on a mountain, he sits down, he begins to teach them, and then he begins to go on and list who is blessed. For example, you and I, we might say something like this. Uh, blessed are those with the most followers, for theirs are the retweets and the shares, right? Many of us perhaps feel that way. But Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. For us, in a modern sense, we might say something like, blessed are the thick-skinned, for they never show weakness. But King Jesus says something different. He said, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. You and I, we, we might be inclined to say something along these lines. Blessed are those who fly first class to luxury vacation spots on tropical islands, the kind that you typically only see in Hallmark movies where they lay all day in lounge chairs, the only two people on an enormous white Instagram-ready, no-filter-needed beach with Barry Manilow playing softly in the background. And they even have one of those drinks with the adorable little multicolored umbrellas in it, for they shall be satisfied. But King Jesus says this, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. We might say something like, blessed are those whose life is a constant buffet, for they want for nothing. But Jesus says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. We might say, Blessed are the taskmasters, for they get stuff done. Jesus says, blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. We might say something like, blessed are those with angels for children, for they will be the envy of families everywhere. But Jesus says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. We might say, blessed are the instigators, for they make people take notice of them. But Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. We might say, blessed are those who clap back at their critics, for theirs is the satisfaction of owning someone else online. But Jesus says, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. We might say, blessed are those who only have nice things said about them, either to their face or behind their back. But King Jesus says, blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So who really is blessed? according to Jesus. Jesus describes the blessed 
as the overlooked, the underappreciated, the marginalized in society. And maybe you feel that way right now. Maybe that's part of what describes your inner life. Today, there is good news for you. I, I've felt that myself. I've felt at the bottom end of the rung. I felt like I was at the end of my rope. Maybe you can relate. What Jesus is doing here, he's confronting our systems of what we ascribe value to. He takes aim at our prized dispositions and he flips it all upside down. Jesus is often doing this. He takes what we think is valuable and standard and he flips it upside down. But how? How can Jesus say things like this? Like, is this, is this actually true? Or is Jesus like one of those friends that like says those things when you're having a bad day, but that they're not actually true? I think Jesus knows that the kingdom of heaven operates on a different value system. I mean, he's often doing this. Jesus is often saying things like the first will actually be last. He's saying, if you want to be greatest, you actually need to become least. And if we're going to follow this King Jesus in the way of the kingdom, we have to start seeing the world in a different way. So, so let me ask you, do you feel that tension? I mean, bluntly, you should. We, we should. And if you don't, it might be worth asking, am I actually following in the way of King Jesus? Now, now quickly, I want to give a, a quick caution because I think there's, there's an easy trap for us to fall into here. I think we could look at the Beatitudes as some sort of like list of achievements to strive towards, to chase after. It's not instructions on how to be blessed. Jesus is saying the divine benediction rests on people like this. He's not saying these are things to go chase after or strive for. It's good news, not to-dos. That, that distinction, I think, is really important. In fact, there's a theologian that I love named Stanley Harwas, and, and he puts it this way. He says, too often those characteristics of the Beatitudes are turned into ideals that we must strive to attain. As ideals, they can become formulas for power rather than descriptions of the kinds of people characteristic of the new age brought by Christ. He's saying, we, we often do this with the whole of scripture, but in particular here in the Beatitudes. And then he goes on. Jesus does not tell us that we should try to become poor in spirit or meek or peacemakers. He simply says that many who are called into the kingdom will find themselves so constituted. This isn't a list of things to go chase after now. He's proclaiming good news for people who already find themselves in that place. We don't strive for them. We live this out and find ourselves will become, we will live in the Beatitudes. We, because we live, we're living in a different way, these become characteristic of our lives. Theologian N.T. Wright puts it this way. It says, these blessings, the wonderful news that he's announcing, are not saying try hard to live like this. They're saying that people who are already like that are in good shape. They should be happy and celebrate. We are aligning ourselves with a king whose kingdom looks much different than the kingdoms of the earth. I think of what the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Rome. 
He said, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. He's saying, don't be conformed any longer to what the world says is blessed, to what the kingdoms of the earth say are blessings or what's valued. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Don't conform to what the world says a blessing looks like. So what does that actually look like in our modern context? You might be sitting there thinking, well, that's, that's a nice ancient truth, but, but what does that have to do with me right here and now? But Jesus first says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the nobodies, the spiritually bankrupt, those who doubt or are unsure, those without a wisp of religion. Blessed are those who are spiritually impoverished, who have nothing to offer. God's kingdom is for you. See, these first disciples did not expect to hear this. They expected to hear the opposite. Blessed are the self-righteous. Jesus says, no, it's broken people who inherit the kingdom of God. The end of your rope is the beginning of grace. Jesus said, blessed are the weeping ones, those who have been deserted, leaving you crushed by rejection, people who have lost their careers or their businesses or their life savings. Blessed are they for whom death is not an abstraction, who have cried real, bitter, uncontrollable tears. Blessed are those of us who feel alone, who are still not over it yet and may never be. Blessed are those who feel alienated or estranged from loved ones. Blessed are those who are keeping it together for everyone else. As you see the kingdom in Jesus and enter it and live into it, you will find comfort and healing. Jesus says, blessed are the meek. Blessed are the shy ones, the intimidated, the unassertive, the invisible people, the ones that no one else seems to notice. Blessed are the parts of you that struggle to make eye contact in a world full of winners. Blessed are the forgotten, the unemployed, the underrepresented, the marginalized, the ill-treated waitress who can't speak up for fear that her tip will suffer. You are of heaven and Jesus blesses you. King Jesus says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst those who burn with desire for things to be made right in the world. Blessed are those without lobbyists or activists, the kids that just want to feel safe. Blessed are those who just can't seem to get ahead. Blessed are those who know there has to be more than this. The kingdom of God can make the terrible losses we experience seem insignificant comparison to the greatness of God. He restores our soul and fills us with his presence. And if you don't hunger for righteousness, you might just be full of yourself. He says, blessed are the merciful. Blessed are those who make bad business decisions for the sake of others, for the people who choose people over 
profit for the teachers and the coaches and the social workers, the kids who step between the bully and the weak. People might say, woe to the merciful, for they shall be taken advantage of. The merciful are often looked down upon by those who know how to take care of business, but the world is a better place because of you. By the power of the Holy Spirit, you will find mercy to meet your needs. He says, blessed are the pure in heart. Those who refuse to bully or slander or gossip, those who defend the defenseless, those both gifted and cursed with a prophetic voice and unashamedly proclaimed truth. The world desperately needs you in these spaces. You help manifest the inbreaking of God's kingdom. Blessed are you who are pure of heart, for you will see God. The peacemakers are here too. The mediators, the counselors, the psychologists, the therapists, they're often in the middle. And sometimes neither side trusts you because they know that you're looking at both sides. You couldn't possibly be on their side, but under God's rule, there is recognition in bringing good to people who are in the wrong and you show the divine family resemblance. The peacemaker deals precisely with the ungrateful and the undeserving as anyone who has tried it well knows. Blessed are you peacemakers, for you will be called children of God. Jesus says, blessed are the persecuted, those who are attacked because of their stand for what is right. Blessed are the honest, are the whistleblowers, those who stand up for others, who stand up for what is right, who speak truth and suffer for it. The world needs more people in these places and spaces, people who are unafraid and noble. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. They experience an unshakable security in which they cannot be harmed. Finally, blessed are the falsely accused. Those insulted, persecuted, and lied about because they're one of those Jesus freaks. That's certainly how these first disciples were viewed. Blessed are the Christians in countries where Christianity is illegal. Some might say, these people actually think this carpenter from Nowheresville is the one sent to save the world. Jesus says, rejoice when this happens from the knowledge that even now you have a great and enduring reward in God's world. Your reputation stands high before God whose companionship and love and resources are now and forever your inheritance. If you've ever felt undervalued or unimportant or overlooked or pushed to the margins. Jesus says, you are blessed and God is for you. You're the kind of person who is most likely to understand this upside down way of living, this kingdom of heaven that Jesus came to proclaim. And the way of Jesus involves this upside down way of thinking who is really blessed. And when that happens, it begins to change how we actually live. We understand it. 
We're transformed by it and it changes how we live in the world. Jesus says, when we get it, we'll be salt and light to a world so desperately in need of it. The gospel is good news, but news is really only good if it invades dark spaces. He says, you are salt and light to the world. Could our world use just a little more light nowadays in these particular times? Could it be that we're here for such a time as this? I love the way that G.K. Chesterton put it. He says, we do not want, as the newspapers say, a church that will move with the world. We want a church that will move the world. That's my prayer. Not not just a church that will move with the world, but one that will move the world. We are that church. We are those people. The church is God's plan A, and there is no plan B. Our world doesn't need more YouTube stars or social media celebrities. Jesus affirms the world-shaping significance of the undervalued, the ordinary people who are often overlooked by everyone else. When we embrace this call, Jesus says, you're blessed. And it may not always look like a hashtag blessed life, but by the power of the Holy Spirit, it will most certainly change the world. Now, living this blessed life can feel really intimidating. If you're watching or listening and you're thinking, how in the world could I ever actually do that? It can be intimidating if we think that we're just sort of left up to ourselves. But there's good news. The reality is that none of us can do this. None of us can live up to any of this on our own merit or effort, thankfully, Jesus is the embodiment of all of it. Philip Yancey puts it this way. He says, in a life characterized by poverty, mourning, meekness, a hunger for righteousness, mercy, purity, peacemaking, and persecution, Jesus himself embodied the Beatitudes. Jesus himself communicates how true it actually is, this upside down way of the kingdom. He's the only reason that we're able to live the truly blessed life. He became poor so that we might be rich in the things that matter most. Jesus grieved so that he could comfort us in our grief. He humbled himself so that we might seek to love our neighbor and to love our enemies. He longed to see God's world set right and invites us to participate in it. He was sinless so that by his power, we might overcome sin, death, violence, destruction. He suffered and died so that we might live. See, Jesus doesn't just simply set expectations. He sets an example. The way is a person and that person is the king. And he invites us to pledge our allegiance to King Jesus, to not just simply learn about his ways, but to step into them, to walk in the way 
of the kingdom of God. That's where true blessing comes from. That's where true life comes from. We don't build the kingdom of God. We enter it, we live in it, and we proclaim it, invite others to join us. God invites us to join him in the redemptive work in the world. When it feels like there is no way forward, Jesus says, this is the way. The way is both a person, but a way of living in the world. So let's, let's pray together that God would actually loosen our grip around our models and definitions of what blessing looks like. Pray that he would stir our hearts to fall more and more in love with him and his ways in the world and to give us eyes to see the way that he sees us and the world, to live the truly, truly blessed life. Let's pray together. God, I will confess that every time I read this list of blessings, it both convicts and inspires me, God. Sometimes takes the wind out of my chest. God, how could that be? God, but in your kingdom, under your rule, God, things often look so different than what I'm used to. God, forgive me for the ways that I've ascribed value the way the world does. Help me to see myself and others the way that you do, God. To live these beatitudes out, to be a people who live these out so that, God, we can be salt and light to a world so desperately in need of it. We thank you and we love you, God. And we pray all of these things in the beautiful, healing name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen. Amen.